As we begin this morning, would you pray with me? Spirit of the living God, you've given us this scripture from Isaiah. We ask in your mercy and grace that we would hear this scripture new. And these, for many of us, are not new words. They're important words that take us back in time to moments in which we heard them before and have learned from them before. But God, today, would you make them come off the page and alive in our experience like never before, for we pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Welcome to Advent. Last year, uh, we experienced a Christmas that was so very different than the ways that we have traditionally marked the season. And I'm so grateful to be a part of a team of people who were thinking outside the box, thinking ways in which we could make Christmas amazing. I was so grateful to be a part of a team that was able to get to the Rose Bowl and invite the whole entire city to join us in worship. If you were a part of that, then you saw that in your car or online. It was a moment for us to be grateful to invite the folks that were here. I have some great memories from last season, as well as some great longings as well as I step into this season of things that I'm excited about. But we wanted to make sure that we had an opportunity for us as a community to invite the city again. Um, and I think we did that in a different way. We created a card, and here it is. It's a card for you to grab at the end of service. They're out in there. Uh, they've got envelopes and everything uh, for you to take and allow yourselves to think of the people who you've been praying for that might come to know the Lord to come join us this Advent season. On the inside of the card, it says this, Christmas is a lot more special when celebrating with friends like you. We've already given you the card, the statement. Just sign it, send it to a friend. It has the invitation to Christmas Eve services and what's happening at Christmas Eve. What an opportunity for us to say to our city that we love you, that we care about you, that we want you around. So grab those at the end of service. I'll remind you again at the benediction. We're so grateful to return to some of the familiar experiences that we've had uh, over Christmas. Christmas concert that's coming up on the 12th. And more than anything, our prayer has been that Advent brings us to an opportunity to unwrap the joyful mystery that is Christmas. God becoming human in the birth of Jesus, God being near us, God being in us, God rescuing us. Uh, the theme for this year's Advent season is unwrapped. And we have these packages, and if you saw us um, in, in, our, in our video, you, you would know that this is mine. Uh, the, the, the avocados here have, have Christmas hats on them, and they're saying things like holy guacamole, and pits the season, and ava merry Christmas. And I hope these are the fun things that we get to celebrate in our homes, right? It's a simple theme, unwrapped, we get that. It's an open theme, we hope, that will allow you to invite your friends and family, your community, to join the larger Lake Avenue Church family in celebrating the good news of Jesus. It's a variety of different ways, and as we begin this Sunday, we begin Advent 
in the theme of hope. Hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. If you know me, you know that I love that quote. You know that I love that movie if you've seen it. I just don't know that the quote's true. I like it. It it, it helps me think more specifically and, and greater about this idea about hope, but I'm not sure that it's true. What I know from experience and ministry and other people's stories and life is that hope is just as fleeting as memory. We had a great celebration last weekend. Pastor Kerwin was spot on in reminding us of who God is. God is faithful and God continues to be glorified and chooses to use the church to do so, chooses to do Lake Avenue Church to do so, and we are a part of that. Sadly, we tend to forget this. Maybe some of you have forgotten Pastor Kerwin's words already. Some of you have forgotten the encouragements of Pastor Jeff and Pastor Greg and Pastor Gordon's. We are a forgetful people. How do I know? My office keys. I don't like holding a lot of things in my pockets. I have, I have, um, I have contests with people in my wallet. How, who can hold the least amount of cards, right? And so for my office keys, I literally do not like them attached to my whole entire keychain. And so I tend to leave them places all the time. So the person that I call most, um, save my wife, is the LAC security so that they can let me in my office. I forget them all the time. I forget trash day. Trash day is Wednesday. But that means I've got to put trash cans out on Tuesday. But what's in my head is Wednesday. So by the time the trash comes at 6 a.m., I'm running out there going, wait, 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 please take my can because I don't want this in my house anymore. Anybody like me? Thank you. We forget to take our medications, the things that help us live. We forget to take even really important things in our lives, notes of things that we're supposed to understand in medical situations. We even forget really good memories. We were, I was just with a group of friends a couple months ago, and we were talking and reminiscing about some things that had happened about 20 years ago, and they started telling a story, and I was like, what are you talking about? And they're like, you were there. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. They're like, you did this and this and this. Like, I had to have people tell me what I did. Like, that's, that's, that's scary. <laughs> but it's true, right? We forget those, those important memories, the good things that were, that were happening. And I know that this has happened to you all as well. Our passage this morning is a reminder of that forgetfulness. Our passage that this morning is a reminder that we forget the important things in life. We start to determine what we want to do on our own. Let me give you a little background. King Uzziah ruled Judah uh, after the division of the kingdoms, the Judah, southern kingdom, and Israel, the northern kingdom, for approximately 52 years. He was the 10th grandson of King David, and he ruled extremely well. 
He ruled under the conviction that the Lord was the true king and soon the world would know it. In this time, Israel and Judah were poised to become the most significant in the region. No real competition. Assyria had been dealing with infighting. Babylon was kind of still forming itself. But this was not going to last. Listen to this passage from Old Testament scholar Alec Matir. He says, in the year that Uzziah died, the international scene was full of threat. At home, too, things were far from well. But, that, but that's not true. Excuse me. Their newfound wealth was not evenly distributed. It was concentrated in the hands of an economic elite who cared little for the have-nots beneath them. Deep fissures were opening up in Judean society as justice was bought and sold or simply disregarded and replaced by violent exploitation and repression. Then he says this, religious observance continued but could no longer conceal the rot that had set in underneath. The creed that the Lord was king had become hollow. Judah has experienced a time of prosperity, yet their love of God and their care for others was suspect. Their love of God and their care for others went went by the wayside once they started to determine that we were going to become amazing in this world. And this is how we begin the book of Isaiah. Chapter one, verse one says, the vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear me, you heavens, listen, earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. Zion had been corrupted. And it needed to be redeemed, not just retooled. It needed to be redeemed, not just redirected. Our passage in chapter 9 is part of the section that Isaiah clarifies his vision. It starts in chapter 6 and ends in in mid-chapter 9. And the vision ends talking about a time where there will be no more gloom for those who have been in anguish. He treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt, but he will make it glorious by the way of the sea at the other side of the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Isaiah's vision tells of a child that will be born whose name's express key truths about Yahweh. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Wonderful counselor is not what you think it means. Not counselor, not not therapist, not psychologist. Literally, Wonder planner. Wonder planner. 
Mighty God, we've already been introduced to God's name. We've been introduced to a new name in the first parts of Isaiah, Emmanuel. We understand God as one who is with us, but also God who champions his people for his sake. Everlasting Father, one who brought up his children and watched them go away, but even as they go away, he will be their everlasting Father. Prince of Peace is in contrast to the Assyrians' war-making and their beginning to, to, to rise up internationally and saying, hey, no, we're going to take over the world. We're going to take over these moments here in this world and we're going to conquer you Prince of Peace is the child that will bring a true and lasting shalom. Verse 7, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This would have been amazing news as Assyria and Babylon have gotten their stuff together and become a real threat to Judah and to Israel, and yet the people wait. The words inspire hope, and yet the people wait. The hope then begins to fade because they do, now, they do not stay connected to Yahweh. They do not stay connected to Emmanuel and they forget about the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. They forget that he is coming. And they wait. Advent is a time of silence. Remembering the 400 years God was silent through the prophets. The only way that we can wait is to focus on Jesus. The only way that you and I can wait is to hold on to Emmanuel. The only way that you and I can wait is to grab on to the Father's hand and allow God to lead us and so this morning, I thought that there was no better way to do that than to take communion together this first Sunday of Advent. So if you were able to grab a, a cup and juice on the way, and if you weren't, I'm gonna invite the ushers to come and make sure everyone has some. And as they come, I want to remind us that when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. Wait, I think I just heard about those two places. to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and then Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned from that time Jesus began to preach. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. 
And the one for whom we have waited is born. He teaches in Galilee of the Gentiles and decided to give you and I something to remember him by which has been passed down to us. So that in our waiting for Christ to come, that we reminded to hold on to the hand of Jesus, that we're reminded to hold on to the hand of the Holy Spirit who's leading us and continues to lead us. So on the night that Jesus was handed over to death, he took a piece of bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take together. And after supper, Jesus took a cup. And after giving thanks, gave it to his disciples saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. And the apostle Paul goes on to remind us that as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim we proclaim, we speak to the world and to ourselves that Jesus, the Christ, is Lord. Let's take the cup together. Lake Avenue Church, our story is about hope of a new life to come. Our story is about a hope of new life to come, not only for you individually, but for us as a community, hope for a new thing that God is doing, like Pastor Manning reminded us last week, hope that we will see the day when Jesus returns and his kingdom will be on earth as it is in heaven. Yet hope is not a permanent state of anticipation. It requires participation in a range of realities. You and I cannot know the positive things in our lives really well without the painful things. I, I, I hate that that's true. I hate that that's true. Even when I wrote it, I was like, well, wait a second, Lord, didn't you set up, didn't you set up this moment for Adam, for Eve, to know the positive things of life without having to know the negative things of life? Because it seems to me that, that it's possible to know that, it, that, that you've created a situation where we would know that, but guess what? We're a forgetful people. 
We forget the good things in our world. And so when we know the positive, most of the time, it's because we've known some pain. And for, and for every single one of us in this room, that pain is different. But for every single one of us in this room, I know God is walking with you in order to make that positive thing a reality. We cannot know restoration without repentance. I know I speak this on Thanksgiving weekend and in the midst of preparing for Christmas and I know that there are families out there that are not well. Our own family through COVID experienced a death of my uncle. I've told you about it. He passed away within a week of getting COVID. But I hadn't spoken to him in years. As a matter of fact, my mom and her brother were so estranged that she did not get an invite to the funeral. We, we missed out on restoring relationship. And I don't know the story about what happened between them, but I do know that time after time, there was no repentance, there was no conversation, there was no connection, and now there is no opportunity. Repentance is something that we Christians should do well. should roll off our tongue, should be the first thing that comes out of our mouths when we, when we hurt someone, when we engage in that moment where we've, we've, we've actually caused someone pain. It should be the easiest thing that we do. Why? Because we're covered by the blood of the lamb. And God is already charging it to his account, not mine. We can't be hopeful without despair. And we see that throughout scripture, not just in Isaiah and through this particular moment. We've seen it before in the Exodus, right? The hope of getting to this place, this land of milk and honey, is thwarted by 40 years in the desert where a whole generation of people who leave captivity don't ever get to see the promised land. But we're on God's timing. God made that happen. God continues to move throughout time so that God's name will be known in the world. 
God holds us through hope into despair. Part of our problem is that severe or prolonged adversity can make any person feel as if the struggle will never be over. For people in chronic pain, I know that's true. Issues that won't go away, that continue to crop up. I don't know about you, but the things that God was working on with me 20 years ago, sometimes he still has to work on. Severe or prolonged adversity can mean that there are no consequences for the oppressor or there's no justice for the oppressed. And over the last week, we've seen both. Hope. Hope. Hope is a defiant act that says, I will not give in to the current reality. Hope is not just a soft, soft throw to be like, I'm, I'm hopeful about these things. We toss that word around. The hope is a defiant act of saying what I see in this world, what I see in front of me, what I feel in me is not going to be true today because I have the Lord at my side. I have the Lord in front of me. The Lord has surrounded me and continued to support me and allowed me to become the person who he wants me to be. And as long as I remember that, as long as that memory is right here and right here, God will continue to move in hope in my life and as long as that hope is real, I will continue to point to the cross. I will continue to point to the cradle. I will continue to point to Jesus as the one who has taught me all the things to hold on to hope, even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of struggle, even in the midst of oppression. Those things don't matter anymore because of Jesus in our lives. I will hope in what God said he will do in Isaiah. I will hope in what Jesus has taught us. I will hope in the movement of the Holy Spirit in our midst. Hope elevates that deep desperation into something completely and totally tangible. For us, four things. I want to give you four things that we, when we hope, we experience these things. Number one. When we can live out of a place of hope, we live into a place of closeness. We live into a place of connection. The closeness is experienced when hope is present. Even though there might be wounds, God is always near and God is always working for restoration. When we hope together, there's closeness. Two, Healing, it is a scientific fact. People in the hospital, when they are praying and hopeful people have a better rate of recovery. I don't need more than that. 
Healing comes because of hope. Healing to my body, physically to my body, when I am hoping, when I am holding on to Jesus, when I continue to walk in that way. Healing is accelerated when hope is present. Three, restoration is possible. When we hold on to the hope of Jesus, restoration is experienced when we exercise hope in the process of repentance. The other part of that hope is forgiveness. And I can give it away freely. Why? Because I was forgiven. Number four, resilience. When we are hopeful people, we are more apt to endure. We are more apt to continue to press forward. When we are more apt to hold on to what is true, that little light when in the darkness, we are strengthened when dealing with the difficult things. Those four things for us this, this week. I pray that you walk into hope. I pray that you hold on to Jesus. I pray that the things that you do this week will inspire hope with people around you. Last week, Pastor Manning said, success leaves clues. And as Mark and the team come up to lead us in our final song, I want you to think about what clues have you had in your life that God is working? What restored relationships, what closeness, what healing have you experienced? What resilience? That moment where you stand up in the morning, you say, I got nothing else but to stand because Christ is with me. Hope, when it's present, is a clue that God has gotten to our hearts. Amen and amen. Amen. You're pretty good. Those are some great words of encouragement, of exhortation, of hope. What better response than to sing together to thank God that Jesus Christ is our living hope. Can we stand together as we sing this declaration? Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Again. It's grim on me. 
As we close this this morning, I want to remind you about the cards. Go invite someone, be hope for someone in an invitation to come and be part of a community of people that are following Jesus. Two, if you liked what you saw in the Family Ministries video, that comes out of a devotion that we have for families. All you need is one for your family. It's, a, it's 25 days, you still have time to get it. They're actually out in the lobby, they're 10 bucks. Beautiful um, expression of what we're doing. A couple other things, um, if, if you have uh, an, an inkling to be a part of the concert on the 12th, I'd encourage you to go online, check out what's going on. I think there's a registration there, but register, come. Invite your friends to be a part of what we're doing in, in, in a concert, bless you. And not just because you sneezed. <laughs> if you've come and you're in a place where you just listen to that message and you're thinking, oh, it's really, really hard for me to hope. We've got a group of people, my left, your right, up front, who will pray for you, who wanna walk with you, and allow you to, to, to allow someone else to hope for you in this moment. So now receive this benediction. May the God of hope and peace and joy and love remind you of the defiance of hope. Give you moments to share the hope of Christ with all you meet. May you experience hope by creating closeness and noticing someone else's humanity. May you share hope by praying for our church for our community and our world, go in the hope of, of Christ, amen.